Hey, 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 Chicas. Welcome to The Lavelda Show Women of Power podcast, the show where women share their personal power tools, the techniques, strategies, and ways of being which have enabled their business and life success. I'm your host, Lavelda Vincenzi, an international MC and host and female speaking business coach on a mission to unleash authentic, powerful female voices onto the world. Now, this is a girl chat show like no other. All of my guests get real, raw, and authentic whilst sharing pure gold. In today's episode, we'll be uncovering the power tools of Sally Prosser. Sally is a voice coach who's all about helping you to speak with confidence, clarity, and charisma. She says, unless you've sworn to a lifetime vow of silence, your voice matters and is key to connecting you with others, whether it's in person at a coffee catch-up or at thousand-person conference. Sally's background is quite diverse, but speaking has been a common theme. She ran a speech and drama studio, read the news, reported it on TV, and was a spokesperson for one of Australia's largest water companies. She holds a Licente teaching diploma in speech and drama with the Australian Music Examination Board, as well as a university degree in journalism and law. Sally is the host of That Voice podcast, which is full of practical speaking and confidence tips and tricks. She also chats to people from a range of backgrounds to highlight the importance of voice for everyone. She also has an online members community all about speaking with confidence, loving your voice and connecting with diverse groups of people. Inside, you'll get monthly classes, hot seat happy coaching hour and a place to shamelessly ask for help and praise or expertise. Oh, and did I mention she's TikTok famous, building a following of more than 230,000 followers. You can find her at Sally Prosser Voice. In this episode, we'll cover the breadth of ways in which your voice can be used with authority and effectiveness. Now, it's not just about the voice as an instrument, but also the voice as a tool to request what it is that you actually really, really want. Yeah, like the Spice Girls said, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. Sally's going to share a ton of fresh perspectives that certainly shifted my way of looking at how to be more effective and more powerful with my voice. Listen, if you're ready to get paid more for sharing your expertise, use the link in the show notes to download your copy of my Speaker Marketing Blueprint, your guide to building a speaker marketing asset that match and reflect your expertise and increase your fee regardless of if you're brand new to speaking or ready to level up your speaking career. Now, you'll find all links shared in this show in the show notes, and you'll also find links to my special offers. At the time of recording this show, I just opened the doors to my LinkedIn profile intensive course, which is taking place in the month of November, but check the show notes because all of the details will be found in there. Ooh, and PS, if you wanna make sure that you get your regular fix of this show, you wanna hit that subscribe button right now to get updates as soon as a new show is added or subscribe to get notifications sent directly into your inbox. Now, that is more than enough from me for now. Let's dive in and get on with the show with Sally Prosser. Hey, 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 Chicas. Welcome back to the Lavelda Show Women of Power podcast. Now, remember, you're going to run out of time. Uh, the doors are still open for the Nail Your um, Speaking Profile Intensive. So if you want to join, you do need to click that link because, you know, spaces be going. So go check that out. I'm I may speak about it a little bit more later on, but I'm just reminding you again before you forget. Now, this is the show where I, well, we, we, you know, it's a girl chat show. So I am bringing in powerful women to have the sorts of conversations we really need to be having as women. And today's guest, I'm super excited about. She's got a very broad background in the space of voice, which I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you as women, voice is like, I, I can't see us being powerful without being able to sort this out without figuring out how to speak effectively. And what I love about this guest is she's very much about how we articulate when we speak such that we can be heard and understood. And I think this is particularly important because sometimes we pick up some terrible ass habits. Yes, I said it, bad habits where, you know, if you're speaking and people are saying you're going too fast or they can't understand you, it doesn't matter how amazing and awesome your expertise is ain't nobody gonna be able to keep up with you. So 
this isn't about neutralizing and necessarily getting rid of accents altogether, but it's about learning how to speak in such a way that you can be heard. So before I uh, keep rabbiting on, because y'all didn't really come to hear me. I know it. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, let's bring on my guest today, the awesome Sally Presser. Zelda, so great to be here. Oh my gosh, girl. I mean, the things that you have done can you just give us like that overview again in terms of your what got you into this space of voice as you can imagine I get asked this question quite a lot and a memory has come to me in the last couple of months and it was when I was about eight years old and I walked into my first speech and drama lesson but it wasn't a lesson, it was actually an audition. I didn't know this at the time, but she wasn't taking any more students, but I'd been badgering my mum to go and get speech and drama lessons. And my sister knew somebody who knew somebody, you know how it is. Yeah. So I'm there and I was asked to read out of a book called George's Marvelous Medicine. It's a Roald <gasps> Dahl book. That. I used to love Roald Dahl. He's like one of my favourites. Absolutely. And so of course I'm like, okay, just reading it out. And she said to me, wow, that voice is going to take you places. And that was when I was just eight or nine years old, wow. which set me off on a path of doing many, many speech and drama lessons and exams and a Steadfords and loving every minute of it, becoming a speech and drama teacher, setting up a little speech and drama studio in the front room of my parents' house. And then... I don't know, life just happened. And I got to a point and I thought, oh my gosh, if I have one more child walking in wanting to learn a tongue twister, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> do something wild. And so I went into journalism. So at university, I did journalism and law. Always thought I was going to be a lawyer, but then discovered you can't totter into a courtroom with a little dog in your handbag. So I thought, well, that's a lie. <laughs> the movies have a lot to answer to, girl. I know, right? Anyway, and so I did radio news reading and then got put into TV news reading. And when I first started in radio, I remember it was a commercial radio station. And I said, it's 5.30. Good morning. I'm Sally Prosser. And it was probably worse than that. But my news director at the time said, Sal, this is not Shakespeare. Like, you can't be reading the news. Like, you've just yeah, come out of your Shakespearean monologue. And so from there, I started to realise that, yeah, I had a voice, but I had to learn how to use it in different ways for different settings. Then became a TV journalist. Lots of journos asked me, Sal, how do you get that voice? And so I started kind of, I guess in hindsight, it was called side hustling. But I was <laughs> well, just- Well, you didn't have a word for it at the time. So you were just doing this what moonlighting might have been the term before before we came up with side hustle, but I get you did it yeah. on the side, helping people not for free. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. So I was doing that and loved it, and then I crossed the dark side. So when you're a journalist and you go into public relations, they <gasps> say, "Oh, you crossed the dark side." Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, which I never thought I would. And then I became a spokesperson for our city's water and sewerage company. So yes, I the glam yeah, the glamour girl for sewerage. That was the, the highlight of my career has passed. That was talking about Australia's first poo-powered car on national television. Haven't been able to surpass that one. <laughs> so all this time I was using my voice, not remembering that thing that my beautiful speech and drama teacher told me back when I was younger. And thinking that, yeah, I like this life. I'm good at PR. I can talk about sewerage, you know, only flush the three Ps. Everything was great. But then, <laughs> don't worry, this is, that'll be the last that I mentioned sewerage in this podcast. <laughs> We're going to be talking about a lot of sewage and a lot of poo. Oh, yeah. And when I was in corporate, that was when I started to realise, I'm sure a lot of people who have found their zone of genius or their area of expertise, they'd be able to relate to this. I just thought it was stuff everybody knew. Mm -hmm. But people were in meetings coming out and saying, Sally, you always know exactly what to say in meetings. How do you do that? And I remember being genuinely confused, thinking, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean you don't say what you want to say in meetings? And they'd say, oh, well, you know, I prepare what I want to, but then I feel like I get talked over and I don't know how to start. And I thought, this is an issue. So I started giving little counselling sessions in the kitchen. 
what you've got to do. Get your points down and get your voice out, girl. And even though I work with men as well, it was, I love working with women. And then that's what I decided, you know what? Oh, our CEO asked me to MC a big water conference. And I did that and got some feedback that I did a good job of it. And then she said, you should be doing that full time. I don't know whether that was a comment about how I was my other job. I don't know. We and would so like you to I, move into a new role. <laughs> yeah, not at our company, <laughs> outside the company. You didn't and know if it was a very, subtle hint, but you took it anyway. <laughs> I, I took it and ran, and that's the story. So, Lavelle, I know that was a very long-winded answer, but that is really the overview of what brought me to my business. I love it because I think it's very relatable. Sometimes I think it's easy to think that it's very linear and it's, it, it's not necessarily. And the thing I really want to pick up that you said in there that I think is worth us remembering is you did something that just came naturally to you and then followed the breadcrumbs. And I think we can, especially in times of um, uncertainty, shall we say, it's very easy for us to get into a space of wanting to work it out. Like I need to impose myself on this to figure out what's going to happen. And I love that your journey just um, brought you to where you are quite naturally. It was like, I liked drama. So I did that. And then I went off and did law. And then I ended up being a journalist. And I did some news reading and then I went into PR. But when you think about it now, if you rewind, all of those things are exactly what allows you uniquely to do what you do now and probably why you have so much success on TikTok. I mean, it's ridiculous. I don't know how somebody be killing it so much on TikTok, but, <laughs> but all of that ability to kind of pull all of those elements together in so much as there aren't, I can't, I can't think of the whole number of people in your space who would have active journalism experience active TV experience, active newscasting experience. Do you know what I mean? Like literally have dived reasonably deep into all of those categories. So I think it acts as a really beautiful reminder if somebody's listening and is feeling a little bit like, where is this going? I'm doing all these things and they feel incredibly disconnected that often that's the beauty of it. It's not until you're further down the line that you can look back and go, oh my gosh, if it wasn't for the fact that I did these things, I wouldn't be able to position myself quite so beautifully in the space I'm in now. Absolutely. Your superpower is in the intersections. Your oh, I've never heard it like that I truly believe that because are there people who have more journalism experience than me? Hell yes. Are there people who have more experience in voice and university degrees and all that? Absolutely. But it's the intersections that make you so unique. And I find if you can really zone in on that, and that's what I've done. I am the, yes, I've been on both sides of the media camera, and I've got the speech and drama background and the corporate and, and all, if you mix all the intersections, you realize there is nobody like you. And if you can just amplify that, you've got no competition. And I think it's so useful to remember it because sometimes people are trying to go so deep into one thing. And I say to people, look, as an MC, I'm an event organizer and a host, right? I organize my own events and I host as a business coach. I, you know, the speakers, I speak, I do my own outreach. <laughs> I understand the dynamics. I'm female myself. I have a background in sales because that's where I worked for years. And, you know, it's useful to pull together those historical elements to define your uniqueness rather than kind of digging quite so deep. I think we've just stumbled across the essence of everybody's USP. Absolutely. And it, I work with a lot of young students and I guess it's a normal thing to feel when you're leaving school or university that you have to choose the one thing that you're going to do. And if you don't do the right one, you're going to waste your time and waste your money. And it's going to be this big disaster. When if you just think that if you're just, if you just go with what you feel is right at the time, nothing is ever going to be wasted because as long as you're learning and growing, that can always go into your own unique little stew for want of a better metaphor <laughs> that makes you, you, your USP. You're right. I'm curious though, um, being in that, like having all of that experience with doing um, media on both sides and PR, what are the horror stories? Like what should we, what could we all learn to absolutely flipping avoid? Because I, I find it really fascinating to go, where are the, where are the potholes that I need to just navigate round? Because sometimes what we think logically would make a lot of sense 
it's actually counterintuitive and it's only until somebody who's been there before explains it to you do you get to realize the thing you've been holding on to is exactly the thing that's getting in the way Mm. tricky question I really try to look at every pothole as a learning Mm -hmm. and I could talk about all the terrible things about the media industry and the awful things about journalists and the tricky things that they do. But in the same way, I can talk about all the positives that you can take from it. And I work with a lot of people who are preparing to be a spokesperson for the media. Yeah. And sometimes after the lesson, they go, oh, my God, Sal, now that you've told me all that stuff, like, I'm out. That's it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Where's the door? Get me out of here. <laughs> Yeah, so I do have nail marks on my door, but that's also because I always record people's voices and play them back when they come here, which nobody really likes. But there is still an incredible opportunity in media, an incredible opportunity. And if you can distill your message for a TV grab, say, you know, to get it down in little five-second bits, Mm -hmm. not only will that help you in your media interview, but it will help you when you're pitching, you're speaking. It will help you when you're talking to new clients. It's a skill that you can use all the time. The skill that we use in journalism to, well, not in journalism, as a spokesperson to bridge is the bridging technique. Politicians use it often badly. That technique of answering the question but then steering the audience to where you want them to go is very useful just for general tricky conversations with people in the Mm -hmm. workplace. Yeah, and I think it's Conversations with clients, you know, so you can always use all the skills in so many different ways. I love that because I find that sometimes, um, especially nowadays when people are doing so many podcast interviews and online interviews and you go with, everybody's got an agenda, right? And you go with your own agenda, but the question you needed did not get asked in exactly the way you needed it to be asked such that you could do the thing you needed to do. And I, I love what you say there about journalism giving giving you a tool set that allows you to respond to the question that's being asked and still manage to get the points across that you want to get across without doing that. I mean, I have experienced it before where people are just awkward. It's like I came with my thing and I don't know how to fit it in. So I'm just going to take a hammer and smash my, my, my messaging in. And it ends up with this ugly, clunky, all about me conversation. Yeah, satisfy and steer is the technique. So you satisfy the answer, but then you steer it to where you want to go. And I think when you're doing an interview, whether it's for media or whether it's on a podcast, we've got to really always remember the balance of power. So many people go into interviews going, oh, I really hope that I know the answers to the questions and I hope that I get good questions. But what that's doing is that's playing the baby bird. I call that the baby bird saying, just please give me something yummy to eat and giving all the power to the questioner. When it's not about that, it's it's about shifting that power and knowing that no matter what question you get asked, you still have control over the answer. Yeah. And you will get a question that you don't know how to answer. You will get a question you don't quite understand. And just knowing that's going to happen makes you so much better prepared. Because people say, oh my gosh, I'm going to get a question I don't know. And I say, well, let's not, let's take the fear out of it and say, yes, you are. You are going to get a question like that. And what are you going to say? Those filler answers are often quite helpful that just create a little bit of kind of thinking space. Um, I experience it very often with people who are like, oh, what do I put as a price? I was like, don't say a price. Like, you, do you know you can get off a call and not price something? <laughs> you can tell them, I'll get back to you. That's very interesting. It's quite a unique proposition. I'm going to have to think about it and I'll get back to you. And sometimes just having those techniques that allow you to have the space to say, I don't have to be in this position of weakness right here. I've actually got the ability to still be powerful from the position that I'm in. Beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. I call it the safety line and I use it for speaking as well. So rather than relying on your notes, like rely on your safety line and it's a line, as you say, you can use it any time. And as long as you deliver it confidently, it's going to get you out. No problems. You know, I've had people on the call ask me, oh, so, you know, a, a pricing question, I'm pretty clear on it now, but in the beginning, it's also, what's your price for this, 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 this? And I said, it's really important that I make something tailored for what you're looking for. So I'm going to need a little bit of time to think about that. And I was like, hell yes, girl. That sounded so good. And I'm like, oh shit, like I don't know what to do. (laughs) But you just do that off the call. (laughs) 
I, I mean, I think working in sales kind of gave me that. I love those sorts of questions. But I remember, I mean, the first time it happened to me, I got off a stage and somebody said to me, oh my gosh, you're so great. How much are you? It hadn't even freaking occurred to me at that point to charge, right? So I am literally blindsided. And so if I'm at work, the response tends to be, look, I'm in the middle. I really need to focus right now. There's a lot of things going on. Can I take your number and give you a call to have a conversation? And at that point, it gives me space. <laughs> To like work it out right so if you're at an event like a great get out is always to say look there's lots of people here right now you know I really want to give the conversation the space it needs so can I take your card and we'll arrange a time for a conversation right like Love just that. And buy, always 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 take their card is that what you're gonna yeah. say yeah. always take theirs but it's like yeah. these great I think sometimes we can get ourselves so flustered and there are so many beautiful ways that are logical well, of course I'm busy. I'm in the middle of something. Why would I be able to tell you exactly what's happening right now? Well, of, co of course, you know, you're going to need a bit of time to think about a price provided you can give it like, to me, it's like you get out always gives a reason why you can't give a price right now. And so it was either I'm really busy and I've got other things I need to deal with as a priority right now. There's somebody else I need to speak to or on a call at the end of the call, it's, you know, I want to be able to tailor this precisely for you and your requirements are very unique. Um, so I'm going to need to have a moment to think about this. Why can't you just give me a quote? Well, because it depends on these factors. <laughs> like here are the different parameters. And um, if you can give me answers to those questions, I can give you a price. Um, but I, there's a lot to be said there about that piece of remaining in your power in those situations in relation to what you say and giving yourself, having some of those, I love that idea of safety line questions, like having those things that you say that allow you to still remain in that space and have the time you need to think. Yeah. And being forgiving of yourself as well, remembering that in hindsight, we can always look back and say, oh, I could have said that better, or yeah. I could have responded in a different way. And we're never saying the best thing we can. We're always saying the best thing we can in that moment. Yeah. We're always saying the best thing we can in that moment. And so I, so many clients say to me, Sal, I'm going to say the wrong thing. <laughs> I'm like, what is the wrong thing? And so just being really forgiving. I, it's so much better that we go for it and say something that's not quite as good as we think we could have than we say nothing at all. That's what I believe. I, I agree with you. And I think, you know, when you say it, it's like now you've got an opportunity to sit down and think, what would be my real true position on that? Or sometimes something spectacular comes out of your mouth and you're like, does somebody have a recording? Like, I need to write that down. I've had moments where I'm just like, I need, does somebody have a pen? Because I've never said it like that before, but the way that came out, that really landed. Like I need to, I need to keep a note of that. So as much as we want to focus on what if it doesn't work, what if it does? And it comes from your energy. I've been in the middle of live masterclasses and come up with these ingenious metaphors that I'd never thought of before. And everyone was like, Sal, I really like the water slide metaphor. And I'm like, like honestly, on the one? fly. <laughs> I had a coach of mine who said to me, Lavelle, do you know like the, the scales that you talk about? And I was like, what freaking scales? And I hadn't realized I'd invented this concept to describe taking on new energies and shifting your, your focus. Um, because it's kind of like, look, the more you give attention to, the, the more you're going to get. And we kind of get that. Um, but I'll say to people, look, I mean, a classic example today. My husband closed a really major sale this morning. And about five minutes later, he couldn't figure out how to work. He's moved his phone over, can't figure out how to flip to work this SIM card. Turns out he put my old SIM card into his phone. So funnily enough, it didn't bloody work. He expended so much energy on this SIM card and like zero energy on the win. And that's almost the way that we kind of are, are deep, you know, it's shifting that kind of default perspective from what's going, like giving all the attention to the thing that goes wrong. Like you can have this amazing, great opportunity. And then this one thing goes a little bit off and it takes all your freaking attention. And so your energy stays in this kind of heavy space. So this idea of scales was just this idea of getting better at noticing, celebrating and giving space to the things that you want such that you just get in the habit of being able to recall. Yeah, but I was really great at that. Yeah, but I said something really awesome right then. But the challenge is by default, we kind of focus a lot of attention on what's not there. But I hadn't realized I'd come up with this thing. I must have been saying it to people for about five months because she'd heard me say it so many times that when she relayed it back to me, I was like, I have a system. <laughs> 
have a thing? Like I didn't even realize I've got it. So um, yeah, it's worth worthwhile reminding that sometimes in those moments, what we come up with can be absolute pure gold. And so maybe we just focus on that. Maybe focus on, I've got an opportunity here to say something that is going to blow even my mind that I may not have said before. 100%. So Sally, I'm really loving this conversation, but we can go on for ages about voice and what it does and how it works. And I mean, it's something that I just think is so fundamental to power as a woman, um, how we speak and that we, that we speak up. Um, so it, it's this question that I ask all of my guests and I'm really intrigued to hear it from your perspective because of your unique point of view, having been in the media, been in PR, worked with so many people about speaking up effectively with their voices so that they're heard and listened to and, and can progress in the way that they want to. In, in the case of women, what is it that you think makes a woman powerful? Well, I would have to say her voice. <laughs> To start with, definitely her voice. It is knowing who she is. There's a great TED talk by Caroline Goida called The Art of Being Yourself. It's my favorite TED talk. And she says, people always say, oh, just be yourself. I sounded really Australian when I said that. Be yourself. She's actually <laughs> Scottish. <laughs> like it's the easiest thing to do. Yeah. But truly being yourself is quite difficult. And she talks about inferiority, superiority, and that we have to sit in the middle and tap into the interiority. Ooh. And I just love that because it's so often as women, we are constantly comparing ourselves. Society doesn't make it easy for us. We're constantly feeling like we're worse than some people, maybe better than some people, and we're putting ourselves on this scale. But if you forget the above and below and just go inside, and figure out what lights you up, mm -hmm. what beat your heart has. I really believe in that walking to the beat of your own drum and everybody inside them has something different. And so trying to copy or follow someone else is just going to put you off your groove because you have to find your own. And when you can do that, that's very powerful, I believe. Oh, I, I could not agree more. And I think you've really hit on something there that, that I know, which part of the reason why I started this show, because I know that as women, we do have a tendency. I mean, we've been brought up around it, comparison with others and wanting to show up in a particular way. And so there is so much of this external, isn't there? There's so much of the compare and despair. Um, so I love that it's a very different way to look at you know, staying in your own lane and being true to yourself. And I, I'm going to have to check that out. I'm going to link it I, in the notes. I know. And you know what I just realised? I just realised Caroline Goida, she's another beautiful voice coach. But the Caroline I was thinking of with that TED Talk is Caroline McHugh. So Caroline McHugh is the art of being yourself. But Caroline Goida, another voice coach who also has a great TED Talk. Oh gosh. Just to be clear, otherwise people will be Googling and getting completely confused. It's fine. We'll put that link in the show notes because I think everybody's got to go and check it out. Um, so thank you for that. And thanks for that clarity or different perspective on what being yourself means and how to get to that place. I think it's something that we just need to continue to work at. But we now move on to the juicy part of the show, not to say that everything that has been said before has not been juicy because I have been all for it and I could have just stayed there, but I need to keep things moving uh, because otherwise I could be here for, we could be here for hours talking about voice and what it is and how it operates and what we can do to be more powerful. Because like you say, I do think it is so fundamental to us being effective. Um, but I want to know what your power tools are because you know, you're nailing it on TikTok. You've done news presenting, radio presenting, PR. I mean, this is a girl who knows how to get her name out there effectively and have really incredible results. So if we're to take everything you've done in your life and business and kind of boil it down to three things that you would say have been absolutely fundamental to you having the success that you've had, what would they be? So I'd say my main business strategy has been to throw a whole lot of spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. When people ask what my strategy is, that's what it is. <laughs> and so people see that a lot does stick 
a lot falls off too. And that relates to my first point, which is take action. Progress over perfection. Take action. Do something. If we continually plan, and this is the problem of the perfectionist. I'm a recovered perfectionist, so I really relate to all the perfectionists out there. But sometimes we can get in our heads so much that we want to plan because we want it to be perfect. And I'm not saying have no planning, but planning and planning and planning and never doing is the same as being lazy. It's the same as if, you, if you're going to be planning and planning and not doing, you might as well be sitting in front of the couch, in front of the TV, watching Netflix and then doing. Because the yeah, it just gives you that going inte- to be the same. It's interesting because it just gives you that intellectual kick of feeling like you've got more done than you actually have. But to think of perpetual planning as, as just intellectual laziness. <laughs> yeah, I've got a, a little mentee who's absolutely gorgeous, absolutely killing it. And it was a bit of a wake up call when I said, you know, you're just lazy. <gasps> oh my goodness, you can't do. <laughs> Me? Me? Not saying if you're a planner, you're lazy, but it's good to think of it that way because taking action for me has been the key to my success. Like, why did I start TikTok? I, I just did it. When I first started in the, at the end of last year, I had 13 followers, like literally everybody who I personally knew on the platform. And it was like that in December, January, February, I just kept going. I just kept making them because I enjoyed it and kept doing it. Even with the podcast, I just did it. I often have people reach out to me and say, Sal, I want to start a podcast, but I want to get my voice right. Let's do the voice lessons and I want to get the voice right. You know what I say? I say, no, start the podcast and then come back to me because I don't want to be a diversion tech tactic for you. I don't yeah. want you to come to me just to divert doing. It's interesting because so, I hear yeah. the same thing with speakers. Um, oh, I need to... Uh, you know, I, I want to get on some stages, uh, you know, I need to get my marketing assets before I can, before I can come work with you, Lavalda. And I look at them and I say, how the hell do you think you get those assets? Like, how do you think you get the video footage? You get the testimony? Like, where do you think these things come from? <laughs> what are you going to do? You know, so if you can't get on stages now, but you need that, but you want to get the assets to get on stages, where do you think, like, you kind of just need to get on with it. You start a bit clunky and you kind of work it out or, tell me the whole process to finding speaking gigs. And I say, look, you go and create a problem. Like I'm not gonna teach you how to pitch until you bring me something that you need to pitch. Cause it's a waste of time. It's just gonna be a lot of intellectual mess in your brain. I mean, there's so much you said just then around getting on with it, um, being okay with failing. Girl, I, I was unpicking it as you were saying it. It wasn't just a one dimensional thing because if you're throwing that much stuff at a wall, You've also got to be okay with some of it's not going to stick. Yeah, I've um, I launched a mastermind offer this year because everyone said, Sal, you'd be so great at group classes, blah, blah, blah. all this anecdotal evidence that it was going to be great. Totally flopped. Not a single person inquired. So I was like, all right, just take that off the website. <laughs> and then, I'm um, not doing that one again. <laughs> yeah, and also just very recently, I put up my first Facebook ad now don't go look at my account if you're a digital marketer because it's really bad. Like, I don't know anything about Facebook ads. I didn't have time to get across it all because for me, it's not about, okay, I'm going to spend this whole day doing all these courses to, to learn everything about Facebook ads. I can't do that. You know what? I'm just going to get something up there. I'm just going to start. And in time, I'm sure I will, I will learn. But you learn so much as you go, especially so many experts give different advice and I'm not taking away from any of the advice. I'd say the same from me even like, actually, no, everything I say is very useful. Come along, join the membership. (laughs) Uh, But there was not a single digital marketer in February saying, Hey, you want to get international media coverage? Go and go viral on TikTok. You know, like no one was saying that. And so we can really, Oh, I guess put ourselves in a bind by finding out all the information first because that information will fight with each other and you get into this frenzy and it still isn't done. Yeah. And it's, you know, to me, the art of back to something that you said earlier about um, knowing yourself, really. 
to me, it's reading it and going, does that resonate? That feels really good to me. I'm going to do that because there's, like you said, there's a lot of conflicting, often very conflicting information and it's not taking anything away from those people. Mm. It works for both of them. Like if one person said do Facebook ads and another person says just go via referrals, do you know what? It works for both of them. One of them had a lot of success through advertising and the other one did no advertising and had a lot of success through referrals. Now, does it mean one of those strategies is going to work for you? Maybe, maybe neither of them will work for you. Maybe you're going to be like Sally and you're going to go viral on TikTok and it all kicks off there. So that art of following those little inklings and just having the endurance around the things that work because kind of skip, I'm, I'm a piece of this all together. Skipping back to what you said about TikTok, it wasn't overnight. It wasn't like, oh, I did this for a month, then boom, went mental. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I was on there for a while, but the first one kind of did go crazy. I went from 45 followers to more than 10,000 in less than seven days. Wow. Okay. <laughs> really you, were one of the TikTok, you were one of the TikTok miracles. <laughs> and you know what it was, is in the beginning, I tried to do TikTok. Yeah. I tried to do TikTok. The first video that went viral was being myself kind of an angry version of myself it was a bit of a negative video <laughs> Do you but know it, it leads to my yeah it, I'm always surprised by the things often I find for me when I'm trying to do something show up and be someone that my stuff doesn't work when I just have a moment like sod it let me just put this thing out like I did something the other day um on Facebook like everything I was putting out was just not going anywhere and then I just put up a post saying photo of me and my husband on a tv show do you guys reckon we should start our own channel Freaking, I can't stop the bloody comments right now. It's going nuts. Just well, just Velda, I have a, I have a theory about that. Every time my boyfriend makes an appearance, I go viral as well. I reckon it's the the boyfriend husband effect. <laughs> okay, so occasionally we just need to throw the partner in there. So what I want to know. So your first power tool is very much about progress over perfection and I think it's we've heard it a few times on this show but it's absolutely worth remembering like perfectionism is just gonna kill your ability to show up powerfully all the time so that's your first power tool what would be your second power tool the second one would be to know your values know your values know what you stand for and understand that they're going to be different to other people and so once you know your own values, you can start to align things in your life. Do my business choices align with those values? Are the people I'm working with aligning with those values? It makes it very easy, especially if you sort of just get a bad feeling from a certain gig or certain people or a certain whatever. And you can say, oh, well, I'm getting that feeling because it's not aligned with this value. And you can get very clear on that. And it's also a great veil to, to put over or a great lens to put over everything you're putting out online and since mm -hmm. I've started doing that I've been asked to speak on podcasts and panels about personal brand a lot more so it's obviously working and I think it's it's useful because often especially in times of transition or um, uncertainty I'm getting sick of saying times of uncertainty but it's what we're in it, it, in times of pandemic let's just put it that way um, unprecedented oh don't even start again with that term I just want to take the term outside and put it in the bin I'm done with unprecedented <laughs> um, but unpredictable and you know when you just don't know there's lots of moving parts and you're not sure it's easy to slip into grabbing onto everything like you know, something's come in and you're almost in a freaking mass panic of, I have to say yes to this, even though it is fundamentally against the principles and core of who I am as a person. And I think if you can, you know, it's beautiful to say, if you can go back to remembering what your core values are, you can say no to things that aren't aligned to your values and only yes to things that are. Because I'm telling you, based on my personal experience, Anytime I've been stupid enough to say yes to something that's not aligned to my values, it's cost me more than I've gained. Mm, absolutely. And it's good for boundary setting as well. So an example in my business at the moment is I am getting very, very busy with one-on-ones, which is a fantastic place to be in. Yeah. I love working with people one-on-one. -on -one. I really love it. So why is it giving me this icky feeling? And it's because I'm getting so busy with one-on-ones that I'm losing the freedom 
which is a big value for me and one of the main reasons I started the business. And so as much as I love working with people one-on-one, I'm going to have to put some boundaries around it so I can keep freedom. So that's just a practical example of how I use my values to work out what my next step is going to be. And I think it's a really good example because um, when people hit burnout, I'm like, girl, you had a choice. You didn't have to answer that call. You didn't have to take on that other client. You, You know, you had choice. And being able to kind of recognize, hold on a minute, as much as I love this, I've taken it too far. Like it's gone too far that I'm going to have to do one of two things. I'm either going to have to cut it back um, or start a waiting list, or I'm going to need to increase the prices, but I'm going to need to do something to bring this back into balance. Or I'm going to put myself in a position where the thing I love, I now no longer love because it bring, it comes with, it's now encroaching on another value of mine. So now I don't want to do it anymore. And I it's useful for us to remember that when we start to break those values, sometimes we lose love for what we're doing. Absolutely. And something like one-on-one, it's very, very high energy intensive. And I, I absolutely love it. But when you're doing a lot of that online, online is more exhausting than in person. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it can be quite draining. And that links beautifully to my third superpower, which is to really take care of yourself. Like I'm not afraid now, and this has been something I've got to this year, I love myself. Yes, I am selfish. I am my own best friend. I look in the mirror and say, hell yes, queen. Like, I'm just so in love with myself. And it sounds so bad to say. I don't think it sounds bad at all. I think it sounds like something more women should be saying. And especially in Australia, we've got this quite self-deprecating culture. And anyone who's heard my podcast or worked with me knows that I do love a little bit of self-deprecation. That's, that's different to the self-love and I've really been prioritizing relaxing uh, exercise doing nothing not feeling guilty I think as women we feel guilty when we're not productive we haven't done enough we've written this unrealistic to-do list and then we're going to beat ourselves up about not getting to all of the things on the list and so I really have been prioritizing days off like I'm not quite there yet, but almost Mondays and Fridays, that's it. I don't, I'm not available. I mean, I love that. And I think it's, it's something we, it's a commitment to ourselves that we have to keep making. Um, Especially if you're used to being busy and saying yes to others above and beyond yourself. And it takes a little bit of practice to kind of, because I know for me, if I don't have days off for regular, or I don't have that time after a while, I'm just so depleted and I, I don't get the fresh energies. I'm not quite as excited. I, you know, every call is like, Oh God. <laughs> you know? Yeah. If you can't, if you don't fill your own cup, you can't give from the overflow. And if you're not giving from overflow, you're depleting and mm-hmm. You don't want to work from, with people from a state of depletion. I will have to say, though, I don't have children. So <laughs> just putting that out there, like the mothers who do it, hail queens. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I don't know how you do it because for me it's so important for me to have my time in the bath and to go and get my day spa and do all these things that I know is not always realistic if you've got little ones. I'm going to have to find some mothers who are going to talk about this. I know Harriet... Um, who I interviewed in season one is definitely a mom. And that woman is, I mean, she had, she did speak about self-care. She really does prioritize it above and beyond. Um, And I know Noha is the same, who I also interviewed in season one, because I remember I would be speaking to this chick and I'm like, how are you more chilled than me? And you've got two kids. Like, how do you work this out? So, you know, yes, Sally and I are talking here from the position of not yet being blessed with children. Um, However, I have spoken to women who are, and just because you have children, I will say there are ways and means of finding that balance. But I do, you know, you've said that now, I wanna kind of find some of these women so we can have that conversation. So that's you, DM me, get in touch. I wanna kind of understand how you find that kind of work-life balance for yourself and have those connections with your kids. But I love that, I think regardless of what other responsibilities you have, elderly parents, children, you know, three households that you're looking after, fundamentally, if you are unable to or cannot consistently make that choice in whichever way it shows up for you to fill your cup, um, it's very difficult to continue to give to others. 
Absolutely. I'm used to being the train wreck of my family with all the terrible relationships. That could be time for another podcast, but always just, oh my gosh, I'm so busy and I'm running around like a crazy person, especially in journalism. It's a bit of a badge of honor for being, you know, run off your feet. But this year I've had people comment to me in my family and out my clients as well, who said, Sal, wow, you've been a real rock for me. You've really been there for me. And I feel so proud of myself that I've been able to do that. And it's because of how much I've been looking after myself that I can be that person for others. Boom. And something you said about being busy, there's a book, I can't remember which one it was that I read recently. And um, in it, the author spoke about as women stop using busy as a badge of honor because I think we do mm. we wear it as like this look at me I've been really busy somebody asks how you were doing and it's almost it's I, I mean I'm having to consciously go the last thing I'm going to tell you now is that I'm busy because I realized I was falling in that trap somebody asks me how much I'm so busy I've got so many things going on I just need to justify my existence by my busyness yes um, I started changing it to I'm quite over scheduled <laughs> scheduled <laughs> But I think it's interesting the subtle ways in which our need to be productive and busy kind of play into things that we can't just say, do you know what? I'm having a great day. I'm actually sat on the sofa today doing sweet bugger all. It's awesome. Yeah. And language is so important. I work a lot with, it's not just the language we use in our real voice, but the language of our inner voice. And it's completely fine to say that, you know, life doesn't have to be hard. Life can be easy. Life can be great. Yeah. Life can be, be chill. You know, these, these phrases like, oh, well, life is hard and, and busy is good. They're just beliefs we've convinced ourselves of or capitalism has. I just think <laughs> if you my, my perspective on this is beliefs are a choice. And if they're not serving you, pick a different one. If it doesn't serve it. you to be busy, then stop talking about busyness stop banging on about it, stop making it a badge of honor, stop living into that things have got to be difficult and pickies and just choose that everything's really easy because, and choose to see the ease when it shows up. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I've yeah, just, oh, sorry. No, go on girl, go on. Cause we've got so say, much going on here. I also don't refer to work anymore. I don't see it's like work and downtime. I see myself as doing my life's work. So if I'm doing my podcast late in a Sunday night, I'm not working on a Sunday night. It's just what I've decided to do on my mm -hmm. Sunday night. And so that's really helped me as well, taking away that whole idea of work being this bad thing yeah. and life being on the outside. It's just all one and the same and it's all great. So many beautiful ways to rephrase for power. And I think, I think there's a lot to be said for powerfully phrasing things in a way that's actually going to serve you rather than inheriting a nar narrative, which isn't the one you want to live. So pick one you do want to live. Mama mia, Sally. I mean, I say, I mean, people are going to start to think, Lavalda, you say this with every guest, but seriously, my guests just give incredible value. And Sally, you have been absolutely no different. This conversation has been really insightful, very eye-opening and, and helping to see things slightly different. I think you've given a lot of fresh perspectives on how to look at voice and showing up and looking after yourself. I mean, we've covered so many different things. So I'm absolutely certain there'll be people who've listened to this point and they're now thinking, girl, I need me a bit, of, a bit of Sally in my life. How do they connect with you? Come and join my members only. So it's this new community I've started. It's like an online public speaking club. But if the term public speaking club makes you kind of go, oh, I don't know if that's for me, then this is for you because it's trendy and we're cool. <laughs> it's the trendy that's version of a public speaking club. That's where you want to go. It, it is. And it's really, really inclusive. I've got people from Alaska, California, Singapore, India, of course, all over Australia, all different ages, all different professions. And this is what really makes my heart sing. We do masterclasses every month and it's a great forum for people because I truly believe that, you know, I can't give you a good voice. No one can give you a good voice. It's just there to be released. And you don't have to be a professional speaker or a journalist or an actor to use your voice and make it your superpower. 
Dun, dun, dun. So the link for the membership is in the show notes and people can find you, I'm guessing on TikTok. I know you're on Instagram and LinkedIn. Are there any other platforms which if they wanted to kind of follow what you're up to and, and watch some, you know, find the viral videos, <laughs> are there any other <laughs> platforms they should be looking at? TikTok is the main one at Sally Prosser voice. I also have a Pinterest, but I've only got three followers. So <laughs> I, don't I don't know, know if you want to go there give you another six months and you'll have 40,000 or something like that. You know, there'll be something you put on there and that goes viral. Pinterest, I don't understand either. Like me and Twitter and Pinterest, I don't get them. I just, I only just started to work my, work my mind around Instagram. I'm a little bit, a little bit slow to the party. Um, me, I'm like, let's talk. Let me do the chatting thing. Uh, Sally, you have shared so much today and so much wisdom. Is there one thing that you would really like to leave our guests with today? It would be a message of self-love. Love yourself and love your voice. So often I hear people hear their voice played back and they cringe. I've got the nail marks on my door from, oh no, I don't wanna hear it. But our voice is kind of like a pet. If we reject it and don't want anything to do with it, then it's not going to love us back. So if we love our voice and appreciate and have gratitude for what it does for us, then it will be there for us. And look in the mirror and fall in love. Sing love songs to yourself. I know it might sound a bit weird, but if a love song comes on, imagine that it's you in the mirror or it's your younger self. And finding that self-love, the vibrations will be flying high and it will change your life. Oh, so beautifully said. I think there's such a connection between um, how much we love ourselves and how willing we are to show up and share our voices. And I think if you if you genuinely have a disconnect with who you are, it's a little bit harder to go out there and really blossom with your voice. Um, this has been, girl, I got to go and have a think and decompress and pull out all the little nuggets that you've got in there. So much gold. Uh, listen to it back. Leave us a review because I do love reviews. Reviews pay. Oh, and by the way, folks, we started our own little Instagram channel just for this show. So if you aren't following at Lavelda show, that's where we are on Instagram. We'll be popping all the links and the, the cool stuff that's been happening beside, behind the scenes as well with our guests on there. So do pop over there and follow. It also just means it's easier to keep in touch with me, you know, in between shows, in between seasons, just saying. In the meantime, that has kind of brought us to the end of this episode. Don't worry, there's another one in a few days time. We are only just getting warmed up with this season. Thank you so much, Sally Prosser, for sharing today. And if you aren't already subscribed to this show, do subscribe. And if you do nothing else, love yourself and use your voice. Until next time, my gorgeouses. Ciao.